10 runs in the top of the first inning before two were out, added one more in the top of the second. Coming up next at 5.37 Eastern, another NLDS Game 5 between the Dodgers and Nationals from Los Angeles. The NFL suspension of Raiders linebacker Vontez Burfecht for the rest of the season was upheld today upon appeal. San Francisco 49ers tackle Mike McGlinchey needs arthroscopic surgery on his knee. He's out four to six weeks. Chargers Pro Bowl center Mike Pouncey needs neck surgery and will be out the rest of the season. I'm Isaac Lohenkron. We are the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hi. Yeah, just shut, just shut the music off. We're done. I, uh, you know, I woke up today. I am, you know, a little bit ill. Not feeling 100%. Uh, but still had a decent morning. Turns out that my Atlanta Braves were not feeling well at all. In fact, they weren't even feeling like showing up to a baseball field. That's wonderful. With these two teams involved in this division series. Ozuna shoots one to right, that's down, a base hit, and the Cardinals will strike first. And Marcel Ozuna stays hot. RBI single, one nothing red. With these two teams involved. All right, that's wonderful. So, things will turn around, right? It will get better. The 0-1, Edmund pulls one, that's fair, inside the bag. Foul territory in the corner, it goes. Big bounce to Marcakis. This is going to bring in two runs, and Tommy Edmonds strikes again. The fantastic rookie, Tommy Edmonds. Things will get better. That's what they all say. That's what they all freaking tell me. It's always going to get better. The Cardinals' first inning went like this. You ready? Walk, sack, bunt, single, single, fillers, choice, walk, double, intentional, walk, walk, double, double, fly out, strike out, reach on a wild pitch anyways, and a ground out. Final score after one, Cardinals 10, Braves nothing. That's just fetching fantastic. Um, I never in my wildest dreams thought that would have happened. Ever. And I'm not even joking, you guys. I would have never, ever thought that would happen. What do I know? Uh, just embarrassing, to say the least. Absolutely, horrifically embarrassing. <laughs> Hero, you know what? Just to put me out of my misery, let's do this. Ozuna shoots one to right, that's down, a base hit, and the Cardinals will strike first. And Marcel Ozuna stays hot. And Carpenter lays off, ball four, a bases loaded walk. The 0-1, Edmund pulls one, that's fair, inside the bag. Foul territory in the corner, it goes. Big bounce to Marcakis, this is going to bring in two runs, and Tommy Edmund strikes again. Could have been the second out. Could have possibly ended the inning with Molina running. Oh. And is that ball four? It is. 
in winner-take-all games. Fowler, that's inside the bag. Another fair ball. This is going to score two more, and the Cardinals just pouring it on in the first inning. Here's Colton Wong, infield in. Wong lines one into left center field. That's down. That's going to go to the wall. Two more runs are going to score, and Colton Wong makes it 9 to nothing. And he knows he is going to have a massive lead with which to work. Ozuna strikes out. McCann's got to chase it down. He falls down. He can't make the throw. And Ozuna's going to be safe. Another run's going to score as the Braves cannot secure the Wow, that's just... I don't even want to be here. I should have just skipped out and said I'm sick and I don't want to come to work today. Could have stayed home and overdosed on some NyQuil again. I slept really well last night. Probably sleep great tonight. Yeah, that's the uh, NLDS in the third inning. Cardinals 11, Braves 0. That is not a joke. Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first inning. Isn't that just, isn't that wonderful? Isn't playoff baseball just incredible? In fact, the St. Louis Cardinals tied an MLB record for runs in a postseason inning by scoring 10 in the first today. The other instances via the inning, the 2002 Angels in the ALCS in Game 5, um, the 68 Tigers in the World Series in Game 6, and the 29 A's in World Series in Game 4. So yes, folks, it has been 17 years since a team decided to hand another team a butt-whipping in one inning in a playoff baseball game. Glad the Braves decided to just, you know, fall over and die. Unreal. Un I just makes me sick. Baseball makes me sick. I hate baseball. Don't even like it anyways. I'm not even really that big of a Braves fan, actually. More of a Yankees fan. That's right. I said it. I'm a Yankees fan. Most of the time. Uh hi everybody. I'm Audrey Stallison. Four oh six is your time right now here on the uh what's it called? The full court press. See, guys, I'm not even, like, in the mood. I'm not even there mentally, emotionally right now. But I do have good news. It's Wednesday. Can I get a wiki wiki what? Yeah, absolutely. Someone help me be positive that it is a Wednesday. That's right. Yes, yes, everybody. Everybody join in. It's a Wednesday. Or halfway through the week. No in the note today on USU football. <coughs> Sorry. Sneezing on live radio. Uh, no in the note on Utah State football today. But we'll have Eric Pearson, USU men's basketball assistant coach, join us here on the air uh, about 5 o'clock hour to discuss the USU men's basketball team. Don't forget Aggie Madness tomorrow night. Women's team and men's team will be showcasing their players or talent through a bunch of activities and challenges uh, it'll be a really fun night. 8.30 it begins uh, with um, at the Wayne Estes Center. And then following the event, uh, media will be allowed to uh, meet with the coaches and players and talk to them. Uh, and then we can share that audio with you on Friday uh, as we get you ready for USU men's basketball. Their first game is October 30th, so they're still a couple weeks away. Uh, but, yeah, again, uh, we'll have Eric Peterson at 5 o'clock today uh, live here on the Full Court Press. Meanwhile, we do need to talk a couple of things. First of all, Jazz basketball does take place tonight in their first official preseason game as they will take on the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. Uh, we do have some audio from Quinn Snyder from yesterday. Uh, he took place uh, that took place. Uh, he uh, talked about kind of what his expectations are for tonight 
and uh, what he's hoping to see out of uh, some of the guys. Mike Conley will play. Donovan Mitchell will play. Joe Ingles will play. Boyarki or uh, Boyan Boyanovich will play. Rudy Gobert will play. So uh, they'll uh, put together really their their real starting lineup and see how it looks. And uh, again, that game will be tonight at. I don't want to make sure I lie to you guys because there's a chance I could lie to you guys. Hold on. They play at six o'clock. So as soon as we are off the air. You will uh, be able to jump on to your TV and uh, watch the uh, watch the Jazz game. We will not be playing that game on the air here. We will not be doing preseason games. So, uh, and then we will also have. Let's see. Don't forget also baseball tonight. Dodgers Nationals are also in a winner take all game. Hopefully, it's more exciting than what we're getting. By the way, with one out, Cardinals have two on first and second again, leading eleven nothing in the top of the third. That's the last you'll talk about the rest of that game. For the rest of all time, ever again. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, baseball continues to get themselves going in the ALDS as well. Don't last night, uh, the race just absolutely fantastic from start to finish. Uh, the race, uh, the race took over. Uh, they led four nothing at one point, ended up winning four one. They just dominated uh, Justin Verlander in in. I mean, breaking ball, fastball. Verlander, when he when he hit his spots, he would get uh, punished for it. Uh, great job by the Rays, just just beating him up all night long. Out of the windup, the veteran right-hander deals. There's a high drive deep in the air, left center field. Brindley turns and looks. It's gone. Home run. Willie Adamas is homered again, and the Rays have a four nothing lead. Four one is your final. In last night's game in Tropicana, now uh, they'll get ready to play a decisive Game 5. A Game 5 that really Houston Astros wanted to avoid because the Yankees swept the Twins in dominating fashion. Game 1 was a little bit closer. Games 2, 3, and 4, uh, or excuse me, Games 2 and 3 were just absolute blowouts. So, uh, for the Astros, this really isn't good news. This is the last thing you wanted to deal with. Uh, Willie Adams... Uh, you know, he had that home run, but then he also had the incredible relay on uh, on a ball that bounced off all as a for-sure double. Uh, they sent Jose Altuve from second to home, and the relay uh, from from Willie Adams to the catcher was on time, right in the numbers. The catcher was able to turn around, peg Altuve with the mint in the ball, and uh, tagged him out, and that really kind of shut and, uh, I guess, took the air out of the sails for uh, the Houston Astros. Again, final game last night was 4-1. Um, for Justin Verlander, he was not great. In three and two with three and two-thirds innings, he had allowed seven hits, four in runs, three walks, five Ks. He threw 84 pitches. Uh, they also used uh, coming out of that. And so when you use that starter and you have to um, pull him out that early, they had to put in five pitchers through the bullpen. And really, give credit to that that bullpen who is phenomenal. They didn't allow a run the rest of the way. And for the race, that that whole bullpen thing worked out. Speaking of bullpens, uh, Castillo was great, and in just an inning and two thirds, he gave up one hit, no runs, one walk, three Ks. And then Yarbrough came in, two innings, two hits, but no runs and no Ks. Uh, Anderson came in for two and a third with one hit and two Ks. You're going to see a pattern here. Uh, Pochi came in, one and a third, one hit, one earned run, and the two Ks. And uh, Pagan was just barely an inning, um, 
just two thirds of an inning. Actually, I had the one hit, and and he uh, I actually was the only one that allowed a walk. Sneal came in, closed it down, and had the one K. So only one walk by that bullpen, by that crew of uh, six pitchers. That's that's absolutely phenomenal from from the Tampa Bay Rays. Now the question is. And on everybody else's mind is is can they do that again? And uh, in, when you talk to uh, manager Hinch, he he feels like you know that there is some sort of pressure, but that they can handle it. You know, the pressure tomorrow is awesome, and it's on both of us. And and, the, and who's going to be able to get the lead? Who's going to be able to to get out of the gate and kind of take control of the game? They're going to want to take our crowd out of it. We're going to want them to be loud as hell. It is going to be an intense environment. Houston, this is something that they're they're not – this is nothing new to them. They've been here. They've done that. They understand what this is like, and I think that's why – I mean, sure, there's pressure on both teams, and you know, they, he knows his team's feeling it, but, again, uh, as, as Altuve says, they, they understand, and they've been in this position before. We know what the situation we're facing tomorrow is going to be loud. It's going to be, you know, really close, but uh, – We've been here before, and that might help us. Experience does help, but on the other side, they do have good pitching, and that's what Jose alludes to here. They got really good pitching, and playoff doesn't get uh, really easier. So we're going to try. We're going to do our best tomorrow. We we, we know we have to put uh, good at best together and score some runs. That's the only way we're going to win. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I know it sounds cliche, like score some runs and hopefully your pitcher can shut down the li- uh, their lineup and, and you should be okay. But it's it's easier said than done with this team. This uh, this this Rays team's really showed up on at the plate, and that's been something that's also, that's uh, that's been really their catalyst for how far they've gotten. But also they're pitching, and for the Astros, they're going to be facing a pitcher for the second time. But I think this is why you play. You know, you, just because you have to play somebody back to back and and face them two times in a row, that's the nature of playoff baseball. And and you got to beat teams three times in a five game series to win. It happens to be they get to face the same pitching, and so do we. And and the, and the team that scores the most tomorrow is going to win. We're comfortable that we that we got to come out with one of our best pitchers pitching and and in our home field and and win a deciding game. And and no, it's not our first time that we've been through this. This is a um, but the most important game of the year is tomorrow. Without a doubt, both teams. Game five should be a fun one tomorrow night. Again, you will be able to find that uh, on the tube. That will be the only game tomorrow night, 5.07 p.m. Mountain Time. Rays, Astros in Houston. Winner take all. Winner moves on to the ALCS. Should be a fun one. Uh, speaking of another, uh, and on the again, back on the, to the NL side, you'll have the Dodgers. You'll have the Nationals. This is also a game five. Of course, it's, of course it's almost a... Uh, of course, it's going to a five-game series. Sorry, I can't talk right now. Uh, on the mound will be Steven Strasburg. He's 18-6 and six this season with a 3.32 ERA. Uh, he was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant in uh, his first appearance. And on the other side, it's Walker Buehler. He's 14-4 and four on the year, 3.26 ERA. Uh, but Los Angeles had, hoping, had to be hoping uh, that the right-hander second start of the postseason wouldn't have to be until the NLCS. Instead, he's having to do it in a must-win game in a Game 5 in the NLDS. And how much will that hurt their lineup will yet to be seen. Um, but for the Dodgers, it's going to have to be all hands on deck once again. Uh, and for uh, Dave Roberts, he's been there. He's done that as a player and now as a manager. Game more. 
uh, regardless of history. You know, I think that if you're looking at right now, so um, we both have had really good years and, and put ourselves in this situation. So um, I, I honestly don't think that, you know, given our past, we, we feel any more pressure than they do to win a game five. You know, it's a must win for both teams. It is a must-win for both teams, but here's why the pressure is on the LA Dodgers. After failing to in the, each of the last two World Series, they finally come around this year. They uh, they win a franchise record 106 baseball games. They storm to a division title by 21 games, but yet the Washington Nationals have them on the brink of elimination, and that's what's amazing here. Uh, and in regards of who's available to pitch, this is uh, he said that one guy definitely might be out. Uh, I would say it's it's highly unlikely, um, given the fact that the guys that we have available, uh, how much or how little uh, Hunjin has done it, um, his uh, availability availability for Game One in the NLCS. So um, I think that um, I, that's something I appreciate his uh, willingness, but I just really don't see that as a as a viable possibility. He's talking about Ryu. Uh, who had thrown earlier. He will not throw tonight. I tell you what, though, with Bueller starting, don't be surprised to see Clayton Kershaw come onto the mound at some point during relief. Just saying. I, I mean, there's he hasn't said that, but I just I feel like that there's that feeling that if needed in a do-or-die game that they'll send Kershaw to the mound. Um, in fact, he uh, last year, uh, Bueller in, in one of those do-or-die games was was pretty good under pressure. He, that, that 163rd game last year, uh, they handled the Rockies uh, 5-2, and it was a regular season tiebreaker. It was to win the NL West. He pitched six scoreless innings of one-hit ball, so this is nothing new to him. He also started Game 7 of the NLCS last year against the Brewers. He allowed one run in four and two-thirds inning, and uh, Los Angeles came out of their winners 5-1. to one. Now, on the other side, Steven Strasburg experience is a little bit different, and he's more new to this. Uh, he had that three scoreless innings in the in the big, big, much-needed win in Washington's NL wildcard win over the Brewers on October 1st. And then he had the six innings of one-run ball in Game 2 against the Dodgers, the same Dodgers lineup, to even up the series at one game apiece. Now, Strasburg has not only given up just one run in the nine innings of this postseason, but as a lifetime ERA, 0.64 in 28 innings. That is saucy with the... And with so much on the line for these Nationals, um, you know, Strasburg... You you just want him to keep it simple, not too, not too high with the highs, not too just low with the lows. It's just as steady as she goes. That's what my coach used to say. Uh, but for a pitcher like Walker Bueller, um, with you know these experiences he's had, he talks about his approach just going on the mound. Will it change or not? I don't know if that changes anything from from the normal playoffs. I think for the majority, I'm trying to throw every pitch about as hard as I can and. Um, Within reason, try to put it where I where I want it. So, um, doesn't change much for me, to be honest. If it's not broken, don't fix it. That's always been my my thing on this kind of stuff. And then, of course, uh, Walker uh, talking about you know pitching in uh, an elimination game in a do or die game to get you to the NLCS. He talks about that a little bit here. I think anybody's going to feel pressure. I, I think it's more about what you do with it and. Um, you know, I think that's for you guys to write about and, and to judge, not for me to really say. This will be kind of my my third of those scenarios, so um, something I'm familiar with. And, um, you know, getting to do it at home certainly helps. And, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot to it. we got to win a game, and 
Um, if we don't, we go home. Uh, I don't know if you want the. <laughs> yeah, I mean he is relaxed, which is really nice. But you, you, you maybe want that little bit of a tendency out of him. Uh, but he just seems so cool, calm, and collective. And again, he's as he mentioned, he's you know he's been there, done that, and he embraces these kind of games. I think in those kind of those kind of games, I, I think it also helps to know that you got got everyone else behind you. It's kind of all hands on deck, and um, go as long as you can, as good as you can, and and try and get out of it as clean. So. Um, you know, we're excited. I, I think the thing that's kind of lost in playoff baseball is that, that it's it's really fun. And, and I think the pressure and things like that, if you if you spin it in your head the right way, it can, it can make it more fun. So um, that's our plan. Now, interesting enough, lineups on both sides could have some altering changes. For the Dodgers, uh, they could have one more left-handed bat in the lineup for uh, tonight's game. One more than they did in Game 2. That would be rookie uh, Matt Beatty, who uh, started in left field for Game 4 for a struggling A.J. Pollock. And then on the other side, Anthony Rondon has hit has a hit in each of his past three games of the series. He also drove in three runs in Game 4. Two of those were on sacrifice flies. And then back to the Dodgers, our MVP candidate Cody Bellinger is struggling immensely. He's 3 of 15, batting just 200, no RBIs in this series. He does have three hits over the past two games, though, but again, no RBIs. With the key for the Dodgers, if they want to get out of here and get to the NLCS, with guys in scoring position, they got to score runs. Too many times they've left them out with, with strikeouts, pop-ups, double plays, so on and so forth. Got to score guys in scoring position. And on the other side, um, you need to have Strasburg go at least a, uh, a quality game, a quality start, five-plus innings. If you can go into the seventh and save some of this bullpen, just as good for them. Obviously, Scherzer will not come in relief for tonight. I I don't think there's any way, especially since he threw seven innings the other night. I don't think there's any possible way he could. But um, if 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 Steven can go that seven innings tonight at least and keep the production of the Dodgers lineup down, I say the Nationals are a darn, darn good bet to winning this game and moving on to the NLCS. And who would they face? The Cardinals. They're winning. That's all we need to know. Don't worry about the rest of it. All right, coming back, we're going to talk to Utah Jazz basketball. They face the Milwaukee Bucks again, 6 p.m. tonight on TV. We'll not be airing on this station. Uh, we will not air any of the preseason games on this station, but we'll do so once the regular season comes about. You'll hear from Coach Quinn Snyder um, from yesterday's uh, post-game practice, and, or I guess post-practice, I should say, and uh, what he thinks about the uh, how things should run tonight in his mind and in the lineup. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. I'm AJ Salas, and Eric will join me in the 5 o'clock hour here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. I want to be alone tonight. It's pretty clear that I'm not over you. 426, you're talking about here on the Full Court Press. Eric will be joining me in the fifth hour, as will Eric Peterson over the phone. Uh, USU men's basketball assistant coach will talk to us about this USU men's team, what to look for as, again, Aggie Madness Thursday night, 830 at the Wayne Estes Center. It is free and open to the public, as you'll get to see both the women's and the men's team take part in activities, competitions, challenges, and uh, you can be a part of the festivities as well. Hope you can make it out. And, uh, and see what this uh, Aggie men's and women's teams are like. Should be a fun season for both teams. Uh, all right. Utah Jazz take place, or I'm assuming they take the court tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, a 6 p.m. start. Uh, as of right now, and keep your fingers crossed, this is the way things are looking. Dante Exum will be out. That's not what we're keeping our 
fingers crossed for. Emmanuel Mudiay will also be out playing tonight, and this is what we're hoping for. Mike Conley, Darwin Mitchell, Joe Ingles, uh, Bojan Bojanovic, and Rudy Gobert will all be in. Uh, we'll be good to go. So it's an all-systems go for uh, the Utah Jazz tonight. A couple of things I'll be looking for, and I'll get into more detail here in just a little bit after you hear from Quinn Snyder, but uh, how Utah guards uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, whatever his name is, and then also the spacing. Now, with the way they have their playmakers with uh, Bojan and and, uh, and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and Joe Ingle, I mean, just how do they space the court? Um, and and how do they uh, use the court now to give maybe Rudy more space now uh, to be able to do what he wants to do and to let him play his game down there? It, it just, I mean, when it gets crowded, I think that's where Rudy kind of panics and it turns into turnovers where he doesn't go up strong, something to that effect. The other key, of course, is Mike Conley. What is the guy going to look like in a Jazz uniform, especially with guys like Donovan Mitchell and, again, Joe Ingles near him? Um, this, this could be a very good basketball team. We'll get a very good look at them tonight. All right, here is Quinn Snyder in its entirety. This is uh, just as yesterday as they were prepping to get ready for the Milwaukee Bucks. How does practice change after you have a game? Um, you know, it, it, we had an off day, um, and we travel tomorrow. You know, we play a couple games next week, so every practice, every practice is different. Not just what happened um, you know, a couple days before, but what happened to the following week. So we needed to have a healthy practice today, and we did. Remember. Some about how you, because you have so many different playmakers, you can have different ball handlers and everything. You know, like, what does that allow you to do in an offense that maybe you couldn't do in a year? Well, I think in some respects, um, just the randomness of how you play puts pressure on the defense. Um, it's particularly effective when you know you think of one person handling the ball that you know, plays quote unquote for them. And I think the way that you know, our guys have been playing. They're just craving for each other, so you know I, I think that provides variety. Um, obviously, you know in the half court or dead balls or out of timeouts, you know, having more options just makes you harder to play. You know, I know that the result was a little predictable on Saturday, but were you happy with the way you guys came to the result and the way you played? I, I didn't like how we played transition defense early. We rebounded the ball collectively, which was good. Yeah, I thought. To be honest with you, the guys that finished the game, um, Justin, Jarrell, William, Mie, Tony, all those guys I thought really played well. They played the right way. Um, so you know, playing without Rudy and Donovan and Mike, uh, I thought it's good to see some other guys that have been putting time in practice um, be able to play. And you could tell some of the guys that have been with us um, just had some instincts. And we saw some guys do some things that we've been emphasizing. You know, Jeff got in the glass. Um, he got out in transition and attacked the rim. So some stuff that we've been talking about. I thought, you know, Boyan really guarded. You, know, that you could watch the film, contesting every shot, and, uh, getting into passing lane, denying a ball reversal pass. And, you know, I thought he really played well defensively. How does the how do you perceive the second unit being able to score? I mean, last year again, so much on Save and Joe control. Yeah. Well, 
Fave. I think Kyle Korver too. Like, Rudy and Joe are pretty good at pick and roll. I think everybody's kind of forgotten that. No, I, um, I agree they are, but they're yeah. not probably not many minutes in the second unit, right? I don't know. Who will we play in the second unit? That's a good point. Have, <laughs> I'm guessing you'll start Rudy. I, I think it gets back to the good guess. <laughs> um, I think it's back to the, you know, we're talking about variety and, and uh, you know, multiple playmaking. Um, those guys, you know, I think, you know, as, as Ed has gotten, one of the things we've talked to him about is, you know, rolling quicker where, you know, you can get behind the defense or get in the half roll, which I thought, you know, he did a really good job of that the other night. And, um, you know, I think we're going to play the same way. Um, regardless of who's in the game, obviously, Different guys will have opportunities depending on different lineups, but um, some of that is, you know, figuring out. We may, you know, we talk about a quote-unquote second unit. Um, you know, I don't. We don't know yet who who that means, and you know, see those guys play together. We haven't, you know, had a chance to see um, at least in a game. You know, our group together with kind of a normal what, what is a normal rotation, which. I would hesitate to even call anything normal at this point because we're still finding out. How are you going to approach resting guys in the rest of the season? And what are you hoping to learn in these upcoming games that's maybe different than what you were looking for in the first game? Rest has become such a, uh, a topic that we feel like is predictable. Um, I think you approach it the same way as you do in a game. If someone has played the first six minutes and they're dying and sucking wind, you, you, know, you get them out of there if you can. Um, we obviously wanted to rest Rudy and Donovan and Mike that first game, so those guys need to play some to get their timing. And certain guys need more minutes to get in shape. You know, other guys need minutes to get timing. And uh, you know, we'll see as the preseason goes along. We've got a few windows where we have a few longer windows without games. We obviously, you know, we play on the road with one one day between games so that'll that'll be a little different against Milwaukee and New Orleans so it's um you know it, it's not something that you necessarily want to try to predict everything on the front end it's something you're very aware of um, the same way we'd be during the year Did you expect to see Mike this week um that that's you know that that's a question for for our medical group uh, um, you know, we'll get him when he's ready that's Coach Quinn Snyder, uh, and that's actually just a couple of days ago. They did travel yesterday, um, and so we're in Milwaukee tonight. But, you know, a couple of things sent out to me is is their pick and roll, and he does he brings up a great point because people talk about, you know, Donovan running the pick and roll or Ricky running the pick and roll like he used to. Um, you know, Corver was a part of that to a degree. He'd be the pop-out guy. Uh, so, and then he mentions, and then he, he responds with, you know, well, Joe's pretty good at the pick and roll as well. <laughs> He's really good with Rudy. Um, and, and people have tend to forget that a little bit. I think Mike Conley will be a great fit with the pick and roll offense. I think he'll be a phenomenal fit with this offense as a just the way it's played. I think it'll be so simple to Mike Conley. He he'll be able to run it like it's the back of his hand. Um, I don't think there'll be any issues there uh for for the point guard. And so I'm I'm again I'm really interested to see what they look like. Um, and by the way, as of right now, Giannis is set to go tonight. There is no 100% for sure, um, but uh, it sounds like he will go tonight. So all of his starters are a plan to watch up uh, 
uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and how they match up with the Jazz will be interesting. And again, it's preseason, so they're not going to show the whole playbook or anything like that. But at least you'll get to see how the Jazz do mesh together uh, on the court and, and what lineups and what's the backup or second unit look like. He also talked about that, you know. Uh, and in terms of, you know, they're going to do what they think is going to be best with the way the game is flowing, the rotation, who's there, who's available. Um, tonight he'll have most of everybody except for Dante Exum and Moutier, but I don't know if Moutier would have been as big of a, I guess, active factor as would Dante Exum, say, would have been. Um, again, but I expect Mike Conley to be able to take some pressure uh, off of Donovan Mitchell being the primary creator. Um, of course, you have Rudy Gobert at the rim. And and just, again, defensively, how do these guys look defensively? Coach Snyder is a defensive maniac, an absolute defense maniac. How do they work defensively? And then again, on defensively, don't forget, Bojan is a huge upgrade defensively. Ed Davis, Jeff Green will help out as well. Um, and how's that second unit rotation look like? And if if is there any... Um, well, how would that, I guess, what the word? Is there any effects from it based on the fact of can this guy, this guy plays better defense than the other? Again, that'll be uh, really, really interesting to watch tonight. Again, Jazz Bucks at 6 o'clock tonight uh, on, I, I guess it's AT&T Network or whatever it is. So uh, if you have Dish, I'm really sorry. If you have DirecTV, you're in good need. By the way, I think that, I, and I've heard this a lot. The Jazz need to be streaming their basketball games. They need to find a way to start streaming these games. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Absolutely no reason at all. Um, you you want to make it available to everybody. Um, and so I, they they really need to find a way to, to do that, to help out these fans who, are, who want to be able to watch the games but have Dish or whatever. It's, it's a problem, and I, and I know Dish needs to do their part as well. But, I mean, you got to figure it out too. Uh, at least on on the jazz side, how they can help bring the game into everybody else. Top of the third, uh, excuse me, top of the fourth, thirteen nothing Braves. I mean, wow. I gotta just quit. I gotta be done today. Cardinals leading thirteen nothing in the top of the fourth and one out. And guess what? They have a man on first and second base. What an absolute crap show! This is just garbage. Horrible baseball. If you're watching the game, just turn it off. There's no point in watching it. 6.37 tonight on TBS, same station, Nationals, Dodgers, Game 5, winner take all. Don't forget about that one. Rays, Astros tomorrow, and also another Game 5. Um, that will be on TBS or FS1, I believe. I don't know. Who cares? No one's even watching the game anyways. FS1. So, all right, coming back, um, a couple of storylines I want to hit before we get into our 5 o'clock hour where, again, we'll have – Utah State men's basketball assistant coach Eric Pearson join us. Uh, he'll talk about the USU men's basketball team and what their expectations are, so on and so forth. Aggie Madness is on Thursday night. Tomorrow night, 8.30 at the Wayne Nessa Center, free and open to the public to see the women's and men's basketball teams and uh, be part of that uh, the festivities and fun there. Uh, but coming up next here on the Full Court Press, uh, we're going to talk about bowl games. Uh, Utah State is the, the, those early predictions, right? We're about halfway through the season. And they have some predictions of where USU could go to a bowl game. A few of them might intrigue you. A couple of them will bore you. I'll tell you what I mean when we come back. It's a full court press here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Four forty to your time. You're halfway through the week. Congratulations. I'm AJ South here on the Full Court Press. It's 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Jazz Bucks tonight at 6 o'clock. Dodgers Nationals Game 5 winner take all at 6.37 tonight. Rays Astros tomorrow on winner take all. Uh, Cardinals have won. They have defeated the Braves 13-0 in the fifth, fourth inning. That game is over. They have canceled the game due to not showing up. Due to embarrassment. What a joke. I hate baseball. All right. So what I don't hate is early season bull projections. Now, I know we're halfway through the year. Well, sort of halfway through the year. After the Nevada game, we'll officially be halfway through the year, right? Uh, by the way, Nevada next week. That has been scheduled for an 8-15 kickoff. Get used to that, Aggie fans. It's going to happen a lot now, especially for your home games. So Nevada's 8-15. Air Force, I would imagine, would be an 8-15 game just based on the fact that both teams are playing well. And then... Um, who else have they got? Oh, yeah, home against BYU could be an 8 o'clock game. And then they're at Fresno for a 5 o'clock mountain kickoff. Back home for Wyoming, which we don't know. And Boise State will be a uh, 8.30 kickoff. So, again, just get used to that. Like, as much as you might hate it, that's just the way it is. Um, <laughs> just got a text from a guy who I... Call a good friend of mine. Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's get into it. Let's get to some uh, bull projections. I love bull projections. I really enjoy it. God, I can't believe you just texted me that. That was mean. All right, so uh, let's start here. We'll work. Yeah, I'll work through these uh, these ones, and you would really actually like the j- projections that we got so far. All right, CBS Sports says it's going to be in the Idaho Potato Bowl. The Aggies playing Toledo. Toledo is that team that beat BYU 41-35, right? Everyone remembers Toledo. Uh, ESPN, this one is yucky. I don't like this one. USU versus Coastal Carolina in the Arizona Bowl. Nuh-uh. Me no likey. I don't. I want the Aggies to play a real opponent. And, and no offense to Coastal Carolina. If this was baseball, then heck yeah. Basketball, sure, why not? But not football. Don't put us against Coastal Carolina. If this team finishes at the top of the Mountain West Conference, wins the Mountain West Championship, you give us an opponent. This is where it gets juicy. Sports Illustrated has the Aggies in the Las Vegas Bowl playing Colorado Buffaloes. Not bad. Uh, USA Today has the Aggies in the Las Vegas Bowl playing USC Trojans. I like that. uh, Athlon Sports has Utah State playing in the Las Vegas Bowl versus the Washington State. Are they the Wildcats? Right? Yeah. Washington State Wildcats, right? Yeah. Uh, I love that match. In fact, that would be the one I want. If I, if this was our choices as right now, I would take Washington State in the Las Vegas Bowl. That would be delicious. Uh, and then they also have uh, Utah State versus Maryland, and that's from the Bleacher Report. That's in the Armed Forces Bowl. That could be good. I'd be all right with that. Uh, stadium, Brett McMurphy, He's one of the lazier riders you'll ever see. He also has the Aggies in the Arizona Bowl versus Coastal Carolina. Good for you, Brett. No one cares. So the opponents, if I had to rank them in order, right, 
Uh, I would take Washington State, then USC, then Maryland, then Colorado, then Toledo, and then Coastal Carolina. I would love for the Aggies to face a top-caliber opponent. Washington State, USC, and Colorado, I feel, I believe, fit that bill. Especially in Las Vegas Bowl. You know you get a good attendance, right? Um... And in fact, I didn't even look up the dates for these games. I had to, I had to do that really quickly just so I know, because the dates matter too. I mean, for example, and by the way, a couple of projections, and you're gonna love this Aggie fans, just if I may be that guy, uh, don't have the Aggies, or so we don't have the Cougars in a bowl game. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, some of them do have them playing in the Hawaii Bowl. Uh, so December 21st would be the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, that would be at 7.30 p.m. Uh, so it would be 5.30 p.m. our time because this is Eastern, yeah, Eastern time. So 5.30 p.m. our time in Las Vegas on December 21st would be the bowl game. Now ESPN has Cal versus Hawaii and USC versus Hawaii. No, thank you. Why? Oh, my gosh. It's not even close. Whatever. Uh, let's see here. Any other bowls? There was the... Las Vegas Bowl. Oh, and by the way, here's another interesting thing. With Boise State being the lead team in that group of five mix to get a New Year's Six Bowl spot, they have Boise State. A lot of projections have Boise State playing in the Cotton Bowl versus Notre Dame or LSU. That would be fun. Now, here's my thing. Here's my take to it. If the Aggies beat Boise State finish atop the Mountain West, finish on top of the group of five, do they get ahead to AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas and take on one of those big-time teams? Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to see LSU again. I get it. I understand. I don't think you'll worry about seeing LSU. I think LSU will be in that four-team playoff, if, if I may speak so boldly and honestly. Notre Dame would be a great matchup. That would be one of the funner matchups that you might see in recent memory for the Aggies. Well, and easily the best one in, well, yeah, I'll say it, in Aggie Bowl history. Uh, that game, by the way, is on December 28th. Is that combo? Keep an eye on that one if the Aggies can take care of business this year and finish on top. Now, the Arizona Bowl would be on December 31st. That's at 1.30 Mountain Time Network. That's on CBS Sports Network. Oh, yeah, okay, it's the Arizona Bowl. Sorry, I looked at it wrong. Uh, and again, they, ESPN hasn't played against Coastal Carolina. No, thank you. With all due respect to Coastal Carolina, no, thank you. Um, and then let's see, the Idaho Potato Bowl. By the way, that's again, that's been a change to it this year. It's on January 3rd now. It's the Idaho Potato Bowl. Whether you like it or not, that's going to be just at the start of January, and that's a 1.30 kickoff. They have San Diego State, Wyoming, and Nevada is the projections I've seen so far. San Diego State, Wyoming, and Nevada in the Idaho Potato Bowl. In the Armed Forces Bowl, again, that's another one uh, Utah State's been projected to be in from the Bleach Report to play Maryland. That game would be set for January 4th. That's a... Is that right? That's a 9.30 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff. Yep, 9.30 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff. That's in uh, M&G Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas. In the Armed Forces Bowl. And they have two Mount West teams in there. Actually, yeah, no, they have two. 
Wyoming is projected to be one of them. Air Force is projected to be the other. I'd like to see Air Force in there. I think Air Force could give the Big Ten a run for its money. Um, and then in regards of if you're interested at all, by the way, the uh, four-team playoff, they have Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State. I still think LSU squeaks in there and gets by Georgia to get into it. Um, Oklahoma plays Texas this weekend, by the way, while LSU plays Florida. So maybe some things will make shift there if you look at the projections on Monday. Uh, in the New Mexico Bowl, they have San Diego State in it. They also have Fresno State in the Mexico Bowl. Now, Fresno State's been kind of a disappointment this year, which is really crazy to say. When's the last time you've had to say that, that Fresno State's been kind of a disappointment? A uh, team that's coming off, uh, or the, the defending Mountain West Conference champions, uh, is now fighting to just stay alive in their own division. Aggies are at Fresno State in November, early November, as part of that gauntlet schedule that of BYU, Fresno State, Wyoming, and Boise State with New Mexico to cap off the uh, regular season. But um, playing at Fresno State could be a toughie for the Aggies. We'll find out. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll wrap up the first hour. We'll get you ready for Coach Eric Pearson, USU men's basketball assistant coach. He'll be kind enough to join us here on the Full Court Press, and uh, I'll come back with some better bumper music for everybody. I promise. Ajay Salison on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Wrapping up the first hour, Maldry Salison, 454, your time here on October 9th. It's a Wednesday, you're halfway through the week, and congratulations. A couple of days getting ready for a Utah State Haggie bye week, and then until they uh, host the Nevada Wolfpack next week, Saturday night, 815. That game will be on ESPNU, but we'd love to have you there. Uh, see all the uh, the fans come out. Tickets are available at utahstateaggies.com. Go get your tickets and get over and support the Saggy team that gets into the uh, meat of their conference schedule now with, uh, again, Nevada and then Air Force, and then you have a um, a visiting BYU Cougars team coming into the house, and then you're back on with the Mountain West uh, with Fresno, Wyoming, and Boise State, and again, New Mexico to cap it off. Almost halfway through the year, believe it or not. That's just absolutely crazy uh, to think that we're halfway through the year on the football season. It's been it's been flying by. The Saggy team has had taken their lumps, no doubt. This is a difficult schedule. Think about it. Uh, a Wake Forest team who's still undefeated, an LSU, LSU team who's in the top five, and like I said, will probably be a playoff caliber football team come the end of the season. I even think they beat Alabama, to be honest with you. Um, and then, of course, San Diego State, who their defense right now is ranked eighth in the country. That's amazing right now. Their defense is ranked eighth in the country, and the Aggies were able to escape, call, or I guess SDCCU Stadium, whatever the heck it is, uh, with a, a big, big win over against the Aztecs. And so, um, despite the difficulty of their schedule, they've really played up to their caliber. Um, you know, everyone's going to look at that LSU game and say, well, I mean, this, this team isn't what we thought they were. No, it's, you mean that LSU is everything we thought they were. LSU is a top five team and they played like it. They looked really, really, really good. That was a statement game from the LSU Tigers. I think that you'll see, um, a very improved and a very hungry, hungry Aggie football team. Next Saturday night, 8.15. Don't forget, be there. Get your ticket on utahstateaggies.com. We'll see you then. Yeah.
I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If you're looking for the moment when the over-coverage of the NFL hits a tipping point, it might be the latest scandal to rock the football world. Handshake Gate. It all started Monday night after the Niners beat up on the Browns. San Francisco's Richard Sherman told a reporter Baker Mayfield wouldn't shake his hand. The next day, video emerged of Sherman and Mayfield shaking hands. Sherman explained that after the coin toss, Mayfield ran off instead of engaging in a second handshake or something like that. I'm not really sure what's going on here or why we care. This whole mini drama reminds me a little bit of the NBA. They're the best at creating harmless drama and mini rivalries. Before you take it all too seriously, remember, pro sports is all about entertainment. Handshake Gate is part of it. Who knows if it will ever be resolved? Fortunately, it doesn't matter because something else will happen very soon and keep us busy as we fill in the time between games. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.